Hello, friends, and welcome to End of the Word. In this special Christmas episode, I want to talk to you about a life that changed the world. Perhaps you're familiar with a poem that was written by the Canadian pastor James Allen Francis. It's called One Solitary Life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village, where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. James Allen Francis is right. That is the life that changed the world. And that is the life that we celebrate each year at Christmas. Matthew 1, 18 to 23, tells the story this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. That's the life that changed the world. But how exactly did Jesus do that? Why was the birth of this baby so significant? Why was the life of this man a fact, an event that changed the world? The story we just read suggests three things. Jesus changed the world, first of all, by keeping a very old promise. Verse 18 says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Of course, this is what we call the virgin birth. Jesus was biologically the child of Mary, but not the child of Joseph. He was legally the child of Joseph. Joseph adopted Jesus and made him the legal heir to the throne of David, but Jesus 
was born of a woman, but not a man. Now, why in the world would God have sent his Savior to the earth in such an unusual way? And the answer is that God always keeps his promises, even long after most of us have forgotten. Way back in Genesis 3.15, God had said to the devil in the hearing of Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Theologians refer to that as the protevangelium, the first giving of the gospel. That is the gospel snowball that rolls throughout the pages of the Bible, growing and growing, gathering steam and size until it lands finally and climactically on the person and work of Jesus Christ. God promised that he would send a child into the world, born of a woman, who would defeat our enemy at some cost to himself. People were waiting for that child to come for a very long time. Eve assumed that he would come in her lifetime. She assumed that she would be the woman to give birth to this baby boy. When she had her first son, she said, I've got the man with the help of the Lord. But of course, as we know, Cain was not Jesus. And neither was her next son or her next son. And neither were a whole lot of sons born to a whole lot of waiting women in the years and centuries that followed. But God does not forget his promises. And so one night, many years ago, he sent an angel to tell a young girl that she would give birth to the child that the world had been waiting for. He would be son of God and son to her, a child, a real human baby boy, born of a woman, come to defeat our enemy and to bring us home to God. That is the child who changed the world. Changed the world by keeping a very old promise. And he changed the world by paying a very large debt. We see that in verse 21. The angel told Joseph, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Bible is very clear about this. It is sin that separates people from God. God is holy. He is of purer eyes than to look upon evil. So when we choose rebellion, when we choose to live as if God doesn't exist and if God isn't good and as if we are gods able to decide right and wrong for ourselves, we cut ourselves off from God. We disrupt the plan. God designed the universe to receive the blessings of heaven through the mediation of obedient human beings. That's who we are, or rather, that is who we were supposed to be. Kings and queens. Under God, and over everything else. But when Adam and Eve sinned, we clogged the tube, as it were. We stopped the blessings, and the world fell under the curse. Like a good plant that is no longer being watered, the world has been suffering and languishing ever since. But Jesus came to remove the clog. He came to pay our debt and to wash away the offense of human sin. That's how Jesus changed the world. Bible readers and God listeners always knew that something like this would have to be done. That's why when John the Baptist first saw Jesus, he pointed at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus changed the world by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. And because of that, our sins may be cast into the sea. Our slate may be wiped clean. Our offense may be removed and our garments cleaned and renewed. It is true that one solitary life changed the world, and it is true 
that one very significant death changed the world. Jesus changed the world by keeping a very old promise, by paying a very great debt, and lastly, by crossing a very great distance. We see that in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. You see, that's how Jesus changed the world. For all of human history, we've been trying to get back to the Garden of Eden, back to the heights from which we had fallen, back to the presence of the Lord. Every man-made religion is essentially an attempt to build a stairway to heaven. But the great news of Christmas is that we don't have to build a stairway to heaven because heaven came down to us. That's what Jesus is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas story is the gospel story. It's the story of how God came down to earth. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves and to pay for what we had done in his body on the cross. He came down to lift us up. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And he said that if we find him there, then he will raise us up back to ourselves, back to our calling, and back to God. That is the life that changed the world. That is the true meaning of the Christmas story. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to this special episode of Into the Word. I just want to remind you that starting on January 1st, we will be re-releasing the entire Genesis series. And of course, you can still find the entire Matthew series and the Acts series. Those will be available on the archive site and will be promoted daily on the Facebook page. So there should be lots of help for you as you begin your Bible reading journey in 2020. And we'll have some new content for you as well, starting on February 18th, as we begin to release our series on the book of Exodus. We're also very close to being able to release a new app, which will make finding all of this material an awful lot easier. We very much look forward to that. And we look forward to seeing you again real soon, right here for another episode of Into the Word.